Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You know exactly who you're talking to and how many people you're reaching in the digital realm. If we hope to survive in this digital age, we have to think critically about the messages we consume. Someone created those messages for a reason. Let's find out why. Sometimes we just have to ask, what the media? I'm Megan Lynch, and Edward R. Murrow and Gracie Award winner with Legacy Radio Station KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm joined by Julie Smith, author, instructor, public speaker, and our guide for how to be a savvy media consumer. In our first season, we focused on dissecting messages. This season, transparency from the mouths of the content creators. And in this episode, Julie and I talk with Rob Kramer, general sales manager at Odyssey St. Louis, about how we're all digital targets. One thing that I've said to a lot of our coworkers at the radio stations is January 6th. What happened on January 6th? We all know what happened on January 6th, but... What did people do? How did you become aware of what was happening on January 6th? And I've gone around the room to radio broadcasters, TV broadcasters, people that work in the digital realm, and most often than not, it's a text message, something on social media. And then our natural behavior of going back to those media outlets that we know and trust and lean on, that triggering mechanism kicks in. So when I look at streaming analytics as an example for KMOX, you see a huge spike around the noon, one o'clock hour central time for streaming listeners for the KMOX radio station. Well, why? It's not that everybody was listening to KMOX and just heard the breaking news and then decided to go to the stream. They were doing whatever they were doing, driving the kids you know, around on errands, working at their desk, working out in the garage, and something other than the broadcast, whether it be television or radio, prompted you to know about something happening that then your natural behaviors took over and people tuned into, you know, a station like KMOX that they know and trust for more breaking news and whatnot. So just thinking about that in that moment, KMOX and other radio stations needed to utilize the power of digital to be able to inform more people to then come back to them to consume more media. So you view the digital world as a funnel to the broadcast. Absolutely. or And also potentially an extension of what we do. There's, not, there's so many news stories that you have a certain couple of minutes to get a, a, a news break out right. right at the top of the hour. But type digitally, of thing. you're unlimited. Unlimited. And there's probably many more stories that, you know, Megan and her cohorts would probably want to talk about on air that we just simply do not have enough time for. But that's why the extension of KMOX.com is so great because... Our broadcasters and our reporters have that, you know, news outlet with the dot com that they can share more stories with. With unlimited space. Exactly right. Now, you mentioned the measurement of the streaming, for example. How do we measure digital? Each individual kind of outlet has its own reporting mechanisms, whether they're grandiose or whether they're lackluster. But examples, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even Google Analytics is just a software that measures website traffic. Where are you coming from? What language do you speak? Um, and there's a lot of other directional insights in there that it, 
that can be super important for companies like ours. Um, Google Analytics, as an example, will report on what in-market behavior do you have? And let me explain that a little bit. In-market means what are you shopping for online? And so we can know, I could go on to Google Analytics right now and I could tell you, ladies, um, what the top three purchasing segments are for the X audience going to CamoX.com right now. Based on the Ooh. ads that are on the website? No, based on your behavior of what you've been doing on the internet before you came to CamoX.com. Not even tied to the ads, but there is the there's the angle, right? Is now we can go to advertisers and say, did you know that camping equipment is in the top three purchasing segments for the CamelX.com uh, visitor yeah. and viewers right now. So maybe it would behoove you to do some advertising, Dick's Sporting Goods, Camping World on our website because we already know that about our people. Now I'm very nervous about my searches. <laughs> <laughs> what does Rob know about me? <laughs> but what's so interesting is we're working in this world now where, you know, for those of you that are unaware, radio listenership is... Um, measured by Nielsen and Nielsen, you know, does also TV viewership. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, are you aware of how many people they sort of uh, survey, if you will? It's a very small number. It's a very small number. I believe the number is somewhere between a thousand and twelve hundred individual meters in the St. Louis marketplace. And they use that 1100, we'll call it on average to represent the entire area of 2.8 million people. Mm-hmm. And talking about in 2021 with being woke and being, you know, aware and whatnot, what a generalization, right? Uh, (laughs) You represent 2,600 people just like you. And we all know that that's not really the case, right? Are you surprised that Nielsen hasn't come up with or that there hasn't been some competition because they've been in the industry forever? It seems like their methods are just kind of archaic. I mean, it's better than the diary they used to ask people to keep. (laughs) But still, it just seems like they would be more efficient or more effective. Well, I could we can get some trouble. That's a nice leading question for me that uh, could get me in some trouble. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. They have, they have lost accreditation a number of times over the past couple of years because just what you said. The sample's too small. And there's no competition. Yeah. They yeah don't, it's they're, really interesting. They're the devil we know. I mean, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. But with no competition, they don't have a need for surveying more people, having better methodologies and whatnot. So what has been the most surprising thing that you've learned about your listeners looking at the analytics? Crossover. Crossover is the most interesting thing, and I'll, I'll explain that. So Nielsen, giving them a little bit of credit, Nielsen will give reports on a monthly basis that'll say, you're KMOX. Here is what other radio stations your primary listeners also listen to. And they can get as specific as what kind of day parts are they listening. So... We know, as an example, that um, our sister station to Camel X, 97.1, their top segmentation is rock and roll listeners. That audience loves rock and roll music, but they're not getting rock and roll music necessarily from 97.1 outside of maybe some bumper music as you're coming in <laughs> and out of the show, right? So knowing that information is helpful for us because if there's a rock concert in town, we might want to have some association with it as a conservative talk station. You wouldn't make those associations maybe inherently, right? But looking at some of that data, that is really interesting. Um, Camel X audience is kind of all over the board, right? Being the home of the Cardinals, you you bring in an audience that might not necessarily always listen to Camel X as their primary radio station. Um, but children's toys, is a number one kind of segment of in-market behavior right now for KMOX uh, listeners, children's toys. And you might not think about that right away, but as you kind of break it up, break it down a little bit, you've got a lot of parents 
and a lot of grandparents that are listening to the station, and especially grandparents and older Americans, the Internet is still relatively new to them. And what I mean by that is it's not new as if they haven't been on the Internet before, but using it as a form of communication. My grandparents used to pen pal me with handwritten letters up until a couple of years ago. <laughs> now they have a Gmail account, Dave and Margie Kramer. <laughs> you know, you've seen that with older Americans. Couples are creating Facebook accounts that are joint Facebook accounts right. as opposed to singular, you know, one for each of the uh, members of the couple. Um, shopping online, you know, a lot of us have been doing it for years. I've been an Amazon Prime user for three, four, five years now. My grandparents are just becoming now comfortable with the idea of online shopping. So, you know, we know our audience tends to be a little bit older and has, you know, money to spend and whatnot. And so their behaviors are changing now where they're starting to buy things online. And that's being evidenced in the analytics of what we're seeing with the people that are listening and coming to our uh, website. Children's toys. Children's toys. When we look at trying to draw attention to not only our Odyssey radio stations, but our websites, how are you in, in the digital realm trying to really target people? It's a very good question. Um, there's a couple of ways of tackling it, I think. I'll use a practical example, and then we'll talk a little bit more generically. Tom Ackerman, as everybody knows with KMOX, um, was doing a, um, a happy hour, an online happy hour during the pandemic, the garage mm -hmm. happy hour. You know, sports were not being played at the time. People were quarantined. And so Tom started broadcasting via Facebook with a camera from his garage during the pandemic and just inviting people to come and talk shop and talk sports with him, right? And then he evolved it into having guests. Um, and one guest that he had was Conzo Martin, uh, the men's basketball coach from the University of Missouri uh, men's basketball team. And so when I used a little bit of uh, money to help promote that podcast or that uh, episode of the Garage Happy Hour, you know, you can go into Facebook and you can target based on behaviors, interests, likes, and whatnot. So the obvious was those people that like basketball. But I was able to dive in a little bit more deeply uh, to people in East St. Louis that were around Conzo's age because that's where Conzo Martin went to high school. Mm -hmm. So you knew who would who would maybe care about Conzo Martin. Well, basketball fans for sure. But what about people that grew up in East St. Louis around his same age? You know, they're going to know him from the great high school stud that he was and evolved into college and whatnot. So those people care about them. Uh, people that care about certain NBA players like Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal, who are native St. Louisans, you're going to make an association there that if you care about local basketball players that are now in the NBA, you're probably going to care about Conza Martin. Something that's very important to know about the internet is it's binary, zeros and ones, yes or no. The internet only targets you if it has a strong confidence that you are what an advertiser wants to reach. So if you're, uh, I would say the three of us here in the room are broadcasters. We could make that association, right? Because we're on this podcast right now. But if the internet doesn't know that Megan is a broadcaster and a microphone company or a Sonos wants to target us, Megan's not going to be targeted because they don't know that about her. So you want to go for the obvious things, of course, right away. That makes sense. But you want to find kind of those associations of, you know, the six degrees of separation or the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. What would this person maybe care about? And what would their friend, how would they get their friend to come along that isn't maybe as big of a Mizzou basketball fan? What are some other things that you might be able to target that have some associations, kind of that Venn diagram crossover, and then you can use that? So my question is kind of business-related, because by doing all of that research and promoting Tom Ackerman's Garage Happy Hour, you are increasing traffic to Facebook. Right. Which benefits 
Facebook. Right. At what point does that benefit KMOX and your brand? A lot of people don't understand that though Facebook has a free platform that anybody can utilize, Facebook's uh, AI technology is very, very, very good and very, very, very smart. So much so to the point that it uh, it knows the KMOX Facebook page is a for-profit entity. It knows it's a broadcast channel. Any post that you were to put on KMOX's Facebook page, the algorithm already says, ding, 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 ding. This is a for-profit business that is not choosing to spend any money with us right now. So we are going to intentionally bury this post <laughs> so fewer people get to see it. And then you, spe- so you start spending a little bit of money. So your post does get seen more often. And it's it's that psychology that casinos use, right? Give them a little bit, you know, show them a little bit of a win. They'll continue to pour money into it. It's kind of a pay-to-play pay to platform right now. Your question is great is when does it start benefiting KMOX? When we can get enough impressions, enough eyeballs, enough ears to see and hear us and to make a connection. But that's the most important thing, right? I can use the methodology to get you in front of people. I can target the right audience at the right time. The message still really, 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 really matters. How many ads do you see on Facebook in a given day? Dozens, if not hundreds, depending on how much time you're spending there. How many times do you actually click on those ads? Probably not as often, but when you do, it's because it stopped you quite literally in time. You know that they call it death scrolling when you're on your Facebook feed and you're using your thumb to scroll, 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 scroll. Well, I can get in front of the right person. I can be there at the right time. That message still really, really matters. So when it comes to selling what we offer digitally to advertisers, how do you make that sale? Is it based on the message? Is it based on the clicks? You know, the other analytics? How do you make that pitch? Yes. <laughs> but that's why that's why marketing is certainly still an art as well as a science, right? Because kind of going back to what I just said, we can get you in front of the right audience. We can get there at the right time. But if that message doesn't resonate, it's not going to make an impact on your business. George Carlin used to have a wonderful, wonderful monologue where he talked about ad speak. And actually, Megan, I don't know if you know this, uh, in the the radio world, there's actually a calculator out there called the George Carlin ad speak calculator where you can type in your advertisement copy and it'll tell you how many exaggerations and whatnot <laughs> are in your copy, you know, conveniently located to everyone, uh, you know, buy one, get one free, you know, uh, unsubstantiated claims like the best service, blah, 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 blah. A lot of those things, St. Louis is a very prideful community, right? We really care about St. Louis. And what's one thing a business owner usually likes to talk about when they're introducing their business to you? The fact that they're family owned and operated, right? But if everybody is family owned and operated, does that stand out? Not really. If I have a family owned and operated hardware store right across the street from Lowe's and you need to go buy a new plunger for your toilet, but mine is $100 and the Lowe's ones is 10 are you guys going to come patronize me because I'm locally owned and operated? Probably not as much as we'd like to say, right? So the point is, there's not a silver bullet. It's using that methodology of the technology and the data that we have and the analytics, but it's also kind of pressing on the advertiser a little bit to say, you know, when we talk about radio advertising as an example, I use the analogy of, I'm going to go fill up Bush Stadium right now, and for 60 seconds, I'm going to give you the microphone, and you're going to go have to, you're going to have to go talk. You don't know 
what 40,000 people are in the stadium other than their X listeners, right? But as we've discussed, that spans the gamut, right? That's a lot of different people with a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different um, socioeconomic statuses. In the digital realm, I say empty the stadium. And now I'm going to put 40,000 people in there that are your core audience, moms with children in the household, retirees that are looking to consolidate down from a regular family home into a condo, right? I can see your guys' wheels spinning. Your message changes, doesn't it? You know exactly who you're targeting and who you're talking to. So that's, that's really my charge when I talk to people about digital advertising is we work with a lot of radio advertisers. That's one great appeal that Odyssey has is we've got a lot of broadcast advertisers that also want to do digital advertising, but the approach is markedly different. You know exactly who you're talking to and how many people you're reaching in the digital realm. On the radio, we know we're reaching tens of thousands of people, but we don't know exactly who they all are, right? So the digital is like a rifle and radio is a shotgun. It's a hundred. I was going to go with the gun. I was. I didn't know if we were cool with the gun analogy or not in a sensitive time right now, but that's exactly right. I say it's a sniper rifle versus a shotgun, but they can all work together, right? If you hear a radio advertisement driving down the freeway going 70 miles per hour and somebody says a phone number, are you writing that down on your arm or are you trying to pull over? Not as much. But what do you do? You go home or you go to work, wherever your end destination is. And a lot of times people pull up Google and they start searching for a business. I have a question for you that goes back to the social media piece of it. And this is one thing that I I have always wondered when it comes to choosing the platforms that we use. You know, you mentioned kind of the uh, the catch-22 of Facebook, you know, that it can be a wonderful way to reach people, but you got to kind of play the game. Right. Know how to play the game with it. How do how do you determine when it's time to enter a platform that maybe a different or younger audience might be using? For example, I think of, you know, do we have much of a TikTok presence? Um, you know, we're, we're big on um, Instagram to some extent. Facebook is big for our listenership. Twitter, um, we're on Twitter all the time, all of us. You know, when are those decisions made that you know, we've got to start uh, adding more platforms to try to keep up with what's going on out, out there in the digital realm. Megan really wants to start doing some TikTok dances. I, and that's, and that's, that's why she's asking. I don't think that's going to draw audience. You don't know. I mean, I, now I really like that idea. We might, have to, we might have to play with that a little bit. I like that a lot. So would it floor you if I told you that, uh, I guess let me backstep for a second. Do you know the percentages of the population that utilize these platforms by any stretch or by any chance? I have no clue. No clue. It's interesting to hear, and you're not you're not unique in what you've said about we're all on Twitter, we're, we have a presence on Instagram. So the most recent statistics that I have seen, and so this could be wrong, there's the caveat for you. 68% of U.S. adults have a Facebook account. 68%. It's the second most popular social media network behind YouTube, which I don't personally consider a social media network. We we consider it in my field just because people share things, sure. comment on things, and like things. I've so also, that, that's the definition. For I've us. heard people utilize or say that YouTube is a search engine at the same time because of the search functionality <laughs> there. But I, don't, I, I digress. I completely agree with you. Um, in comparing the two, I don't necessarily include YouTube. But YouTube's at about 71%. 68% for Facebook. Instagram's only 30 Huh. 30% of the U.S. population, 18 plus, we're talking. Twitter, 10. 
Oh, you're kidding me. No. They're a very loud 10%. <laughs> very no loud. kidding. And I, I love Twitter. I, I do too. Being able to curate your own news feed and, you know, you choose who your trusted sources are or aren't. Um, I love Twitter for that regard. But um, to your point, Megan, it's interesting because a lot of people associate Instagram and especially TikTok with a younger audience. That doesn't mean that it excludes older adults or older people. And the targeting mechanism behind these platforms allow you to be where your audience is. So gotcha. let's, let's use Instagram as an example. Traditionally, a younger audience, right? However, I can choose to have my ads be seen by parents with children in the household, and the parents are aged 40 to 60, as an example. Because a lot of parents that I speak with who have Instagram uh, profiles it's only because their kids are on Instagram, right? They want to see what their kids are doing, and then that leads to blocked accounts and a lot of you know awkward table conversations or lack thereof. <laughs> but I think it's a matter of, is your audience there? Can you be in front of your audience with content that they care about? Then I think you should be there. And if you can manipulate who sees your content based on the paid aspect of it, right? Then you have nothing to lose. Then you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, and at the end of the day, let's talk about TikTok as an example. I think you'd kill it on TikTok because think you about totally would. Your, you totally would. Your audience might not be the teeny boppers that people associate with TikTok, but you know who else is on TikTok? Their parents. Mm -hmm. Just because of what we talked about with Instagram. They want to be. Well, we're consumers. We're not creators. Right. The younger kids are the creators, the content generators. We're the consumers. Nobody talks about. When they talk about how popular TikTok is or like a great accolade that somebody has received, they don't say, oh my gosh, you've created such great content. Congratulations. What do they say? You went viral. You went viral. You were seen by a million people. You made 10 million impressions. It's So you think about that for a second, right? It's not about, that was a great dance that you created. It was congratulations for reaching a million people. People reach a million people in a number of different ways. Uh, I watched a... I went down the rabbit hole, as it were, last <laughs> night, and a guy has a TikTok where he will fry anything. He will deep fry anything. Marshmallows, Jolly Ranchers, a slice of pizza. I had a student yesterday go viral on TikTok during class. And by the end of class, she had 350,000 views on her video. And that was 24 hours ago. So I told her, I said, you're in charge of class on Monday because we want to hear all about <laughs> yes. it. We want to hear all about it. Yeah, she was excited. You're probably one out of a million teachers that would not only be happy that their student went viral <laughs> during class, but then essentially promoted them to head of class for the next session. Uh, well, our classes are all about analyzing media, and what a great way to analyze it, but to create some and then figure out what happens. Rob, thank you so much for your insight. I've learned a lot today. You're welcome. Thank you. That's Odyssey's Rob Kramer. I'm Megan Lynch with media literacy expert Julie Smith. What the Media is produced by Odyssey St. Louis from the studios of KMOX Radio in St. Louis, Missouri. Our executive producer is Beth Coglin. We invite you to visit KMOX.com for more on our media literacy project. in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 